podcast world with Shake and Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Another episode that I'm so excited to bring you. You know how much we love Tennessee around here, Nashville, Music City, the I-40 corridor for what I love to do and chase ducks in God's country down around Memphis, Tennessee, over west into Arkansas and Jonesboro and all the way down to the Grand Prairie. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you as usual. You know what I'm about to say. Lynchburg, Tennessee, Jack Daniels, the most American brand in the world. It's right there with Anheuser-Busch, in my opinion. Enjoy it responsibly. Be safe with it, but lean on Jack when you need him through the hard times, the sad times, the fun times, the good times, through the pandemic, through the quarantine. Jack's been there for us for years. They support our culture. They support country music. And I know that the man I'm talking to today might enjoy him at Jack Daniels once in a while, but we're going to ask him about his flavors of choice. This is one of the baddest ass songwriters that you will ever see or hear. Write a tune, sing a tune, pick a guitar. He's as country as hell. I love him. Channing Wilson. Welcome, my brother. Chad, how you doing, buddy? Buddy, I'm doing so good, and I'm glad that I finally was able to run you down. You're kind of like a unicorn. Man, you know, uh, apparently I am, but I, I don't claim to be. For sure. Well, you know, I, I come to Nashville so much and I'm, I've been running with Leaf for probably 10 years and then, and then started meeting people in that clique, you know, that, that I consider like the real Nashville, right? The, the Brents and the Channings and the Adam Hoods and the, and the Paul McDonald's and the Dave, you know, the guys that, that I love to listen to and, and, and read their lyrics. And I've just, I've never ran into you. I, I think that I did one time and you tell me if you remember this at all. It was, it was probably seven or eight years ago and Leith and I were in Midtown and we went, we were, we were at Losers and then there was a place next door or two buildings down. If you're at, out front of Losers, it would be to the left of Losers and it had a deck, an outdoor deck on it. And did you ever play like gigs there or, or do something like an out, an outdoor deck or like you would play like a, a Sunday morning show there or something or a Sunday afternoon show there ever? Well, uh, was it the pizza joint down there? I mean, uh, I think it was, was it, did they have yeah. an outside deck and like a bar yeah. upstairs or something? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they were doing a. I never, I, I didn't do a resident, a residency there, but we were doing, uh, I can't remember some kind of BMI thing. And it seems like I remember Leith, uh, coming in there. Uh, was it full band or acoustic? I think it was acoustic and you were wearing a black jacket. And I just remember, that's the only time that I remember maybe meeting you in my, in yeah. my 15 years ago in Nashville. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I met you once uh, with Leith uh, somewhere because I remember your name. I remember the foul life. And uh, of course I'm a big fan of Leith, man, since uh, the day we met. And, uh, and, but you know, I mean that, you know, that time period in Nashville uh, was kind of like uh it, it, I don't think anybody's made any money, but it was kind of like a gold rush, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like everybody was moving to town, you know, cause they, well, everything was hot. And so you're just meeting new people and cool people, man. I mean, the most talented people in the, in the country was in, in Canada too, man. They're all moving to Nashville during that five to eight year period. And so you just met so many people, man. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I, I got to town about 2009 or so, 2010, and uh, and Leith uh, was one of the first people I met, man, down at uh, down at the Blue Bar with uh, Drake White and Brent and Wayne Mills, and I knew Wayne for 10 years from playing in the bars and stuff, but but uh, and of course Wayne, as soon as he found out I was coming to Nashville, he was like, "You got to come down to the Blue Bar, play the Alabama Line," and then as soon as I did that, I met like. 
pretty much everybody that I'm still friends with in Nashville. All right, so let's have a country music conversation then, Chad. Yeah, do man. you do you I know you're wearing a Steve Earle shirt and I know oh. And in, 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 in learning about Chatting Wilson, I know he's a huge influence on you, and he was one of the two that they entitle or they kind of acknowledge of being the man that made you want to move to Nashville, become a singer-songwriter. Um, Steve's special. I want to get into his music. But tell me before I, before I go into you coming to Nashville, what makes Leith Loft, why would you say he's, you know, he's one of the best or he's special? What makes him a, I know what kind of person he is, but is he a good songwriter? Is he a good musician? Is he a good showman? Is he a character? Should he be bigger than he is? Or am I just blowing smoke up my own ass out of the last 10 years? Man, you know, uh, I, I hope that there's somebody talking this same shit about me across <laughs> somewhere, you know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, it's, there's so much involved in catching the right break. I've caught some breaks, man. And, they, and they've been really, really good. And I've been, I'm so blessed and so fortunate. Uh, but catching the right break sometimes is the timing and everything. I mean, and talent is only really gets you, uh, it gets you there and then someone else has got to take that and then they got to put it on a platform and go, we're going to help you get there, you know? And I feel like with Leaf, uh, he might've, you know, like never found that person to ever take him and go, uh, here, here world, here's this dude from Louisiana who is the most authentic real deal dude there is, you know? And I feel like, in a lot of ways, I never caught that right that that kind of break, you know, as far as the mainstream uh, thing. But when I first met Leith, man, I thought, shit, I'm gonna have to get better, you know, because I heard I thought I was doing this thing, and then I heard Leith Lofton, and I was like, oh shit, man, this guy, he gonna smoke my ass, you know. And so I didn't I didn't look at it negatively. I thought, you know, like I said, I'm gonna have to get better. And when my, my first um, when my first I first started trying to do song singer songwriter, I, I wrote poems and songs when I was in high school, man. But when I when I first said, uh, you know, I'm gonna quit my job at Lowe's and I'm gonna try to do this songwriting shit, I went out around Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is kind of where I'm from in uh, North Georgia, and uh, and I went out and I, I asked around, I was like, who's the best, you know, country singer songwriter in town? And everybody kept saying Roger Allen Wade, Roger Allen Wade. So I went and watched Roger Allen Wade play. And when I watched him play, I knew right then I was going to have to get a whole lot better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, and then the same thing happened to me when I moved to Nashville and I seen Leith and, and Brent and Drake and all those guys, man. But yeah, Leith absolutely is something special. He, uh, uh, I always called him like the, called him the modern day Jerry Reed. You know, he is a character and all that stuff. And, and I've written songs with Leith and, and he's, I mean, right up there with anybody, man, as far as a thinker and a, and a lyricist and a singer. I love his voice, man. Like I said, I just don't – the right producer, the right uh, the right break, the right person believe in you, you know. And uh, and who knows, man. I've seen people blow up out of, out of thin air, you know, when the right person gets a hold of them. It's crazy. Can the music play, business. <laughs> can, can, he, can he play – the guitar like Jerry Reed? Because I know you can jam on the guitar too. Because uh, Jerry Reed is like one of those guys to where if he's one of the best ever, in my opinion, my dad turned me on to him a long time ago, but he's never really, like when you hear about Jerry Reed, you always hear, you know, eastbound and down, you hear Burt Reynolds, you hear his acting career. I don't, 
he, he, you can you can dig up video of Jerry Reed that will just blow your mind on the guitar. Yeah, no, Jerry Jerry Reed was probably more talented of a guitar picker than he was anything else. So to answer your question, no, I've never heard Leith play like Jerry Reed. However, there I've never heard anybody play like Jerry Reed. So that that's a that's a that's a a, a question that that's never going to you know I'm, I couldn't compare anybody to Jerry Reed on the guitar because his personality and his attitude came out through his playing. You know? Yeah. You would see him on uh, that famous video on uh, on YouTube where he's literally just burning the shit out of Chet Atkins, man. You know, yeah. and 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 Chet can hold his own too. But and who knows if it was probably uh, kind of staged that way? Yeah, and because those dudes were smart, man, and they knew show business was show business. And if you if you think that those guys for a second didn't know how great they were and and what they were doing each time that they got in front of a mic or in front of a camera, then you're crazy because they knew the power of the business that they were running, man. They were all great businessmen and, and alcoholics too, but still, you know, they knew what they were doing. But yeah, that video, uh, Jerry Regis, it, apparently smoking Chet Atkins, uh, is is legendary man legendary yeah and when i started when i started learning about you i started learning about roger allen wade because you at one time mentioned him and i don't remember exactly where it was but he is badass and he's another one like i'm i'm from the western united states right so i i didn't grow up around a whole slew of what was going on in the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Tennessees and the Texases maybe, you know, in California, they had the Bakersfield and they get, they got Dwight and they, they, they've had some, obviously, you know, the history down there with the music there. But I, I, I grew up with the people that were, my dad was listening to, and it was the outlaws and it was, it was Don Williams. And it was, I never heard of, I never got into guys like Roger Allen Wade or, you know, until I started hanging out with guys that were from that part of the country. And I don't know what it is about him, but when you said that Jerry Reed, his personality came out in the way he played, um, I think that's the same way when you listen to a song by, or listen to him talk, you know, I'm talking about Wade and he's, he's, he's got that kind of that character, that character image too. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. He, and you know, I've seen Roger, uh, when I first started watching him, man, he was playing a little bar called Bud's and it was a legendary place in Chattanooga. And, 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 you know, what's really sad is, is there's the country music hall of fame, which is this, <clears throat> it's this like broad brush that paints over the history of country music. And then if you think about it and, and, and every little town, like, there has to be a Roger Allen Wade out there, you know, now not the same quality talent as him, because I'm telling, I'm here to tell you, he, I've sat at the table and written songs with Guy Clark and Roger Allen Wade. Now I've written, never written with Roger. We were supposed to a few times, but I know him, I know him well. And, and as far as a thinker and a poet, that man is right up there with any, any great mind that I've ever Set. Like is like you know. like would you consider him like a John Prine level of being able to mix words into where they don't belong? He yeah absolutely but you know uh, Roger has this sense of humor that's like uncanny man it's it's just uh, I learned so much man watching this guy and and, and on the entertaining level you know a, a, a guy with acoustic guitar um, sat down and entertain a 
room full of 50 drunk people and never lose them, you know? And I, I watched him and I studied him and I, 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 I eventually took his gig because he was a raging alcoholic back then, you know, and, and he would just get drunk and quit. And he'd be like, uh, he'd get on the mic and go, Hey, uh, Channing's out here in the crowd. We're going to get Channing up here to play a song. And, and then I'd get up and be like, thanks, Roger. And I'd watch him walk out the door and his ass was out of here. <laughs> you know, I'd have to pack his gig up and count his tip jar and everything, you know? <laughs> and, uh, he was pretty notorious back then. And, but I mean, I learned a lot, uh, by watching it, watching him work a crowd, you know, and I, I take a lot of pride in nowadays, uh, being able to stand on a one man band, you know, by myself on a stage in front of ever how many people, 10 people or 10,000 and, 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 uh, tried to hold them. You know, that's the challenge for me. There's the writing the song and then there's making people believe it, you know? Yep, yep. And, uh, and so I learned that a lot, so much of that from him and just the experience of him playing, you know, 200, 300 shows a year sometimes. And then you mentioned another guy, and I want to start getting into when you move to Nashville and you sell your boat and you you sell a pretty good bit of stuff to keep taking trips to Nashville. Yeah. You're committed to it because you kind of have an attitude of like like a Johnny Paycheck song, you know, like take this job and shove it kind of attitude. I'm, I'm rolling. I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. I don't need a boss man right now. Um, but you mentioned another character that ended up, being somebody that uh, again i would think that most people that listen to country music on the regular which you know what is called country music which i want to get into that with you i don't know if you know my stance on any of that but i've been kind of on this mission of getting the right country music out to the masses as far as we can do it because i truly believe in your music and your songwriting and leaths and and drakes and and brents and the guys that we're talking about but but wayne mills was a guy that when you mentioned his name um, before, you know, and I, I, again, I don't think a lot of people that listen to country music know who Wayne Mills is until you start getting to know somebody like you or Jamie or Leith. Um, the guy's amazing. The dude, the guy literally like Brent Cobb said on this podcast, his last album was called the last honky tonk and he was murdered outside of a honky tonk, which was bullshit. But you were friends with this guy. He was a mentor to you. He was a, I assume he was an inspiration to you, <clears throat> but the bottom line from what I hear Channing and tell me if I'm wrong is that like, he was as good as anybody that was out there. Um, like Jamie was actually opening some shows for him at one time. And, and wasn't Wayne like looked at as that guy that was, was on his way to make it and just had this uncanny talent and character as well. Yeah. You know, uh, I start. I was. I just started a band uh, back in 2001, I think, called the the Rounders, and ended up becoming the Tennessee Rounders. And we were. Uh, uh, I coined it as hardcore honky tonk, and uh, and so we, you know, we had a stand up bass fiddle, and it was a four piece, all attitude, and based around, you know, you know, fuck pop country. We were doing that shit back in 2001. You know, we were <laughs> we were preaching that stuff back then. And, that's that's when we thought that uh, Toby Keith was pop country. You know, we hated anything that didn't sound like Hank Williams. And uh, and so and uh, you know, MySpace. I'm, I'm gonna show my age here, but MySpace was was really big then. And and I remember getting on MySpace when I was just trying to figure stuff out, and and I started looking at all these venues across the southeast. You know, I'm I'm learning how to book shows and learning how to uh, you know we're taking a real punk rock grassroots. Uh, uh, way of, uh, promoting our band. And, 
And every one of these damn venues I wanted to play, I kept seeing this Wayne Mills band. And I'm like, who in the hell is this dude? You know? So I go to his MySpace page and I look and he's playing every single damn venue that I want to play. And I, and I go and I listen to a couple songs and it seems like uh, the big one he had back then was uh, Cross and Dixie. I don't know if you ever heard it. And I listened to it and I, it, it reminded me of like just Southern, uh, Southern country, Southern rock, you know? And, um, and I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty good. And so, um, I, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, Hey man, my name's Channing. I'm in this band called the rounders. Uh, we play hardcore honky tonk, you know, we're looking for, uh, we're looking to open some shows, you know? Uh, and, and so I'd gotten to know, uh, a club owner in Chattanooga. And so I always used that to barter because Chattanooga was a hard town to break in because it just didn't have a good fan, uh, uh, live music fan base there at the time. And so I, I told Wayne, I was like, Hey man, you come open for us at, uh, Rhythm and Brews and we'll, and we'll open it for you at the War, War Eagle Supper Club, you know? And so we go down there to open for this guy and the show doesn't even start until 11 o'clock Alabama time, you know, which is, which is midnight my time, you know? And, uh, and at, at about 1050, there was nobody there. And so we, we go on and we got a 45 minute opening set. And um, I still haven't met him yet, you know, because uh, we didn't get there in time to sound check, of course, driving down from Chattanooga. And at 11 o'clock, I walk out on stage and people are pouring into this place. And I thought, oh, shit. So we do our 45-minute set. By the time we're done, there's 700 people in this place, 800 people. Every time they would hold in, it was packed, man. And I got off stage. And sweating and and we we burned it up and 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 there was Wayne Mills standing there and and he was like man you wasn't kidding dude that hardcore honky tonk buddy I love that shit and uh, he goes hang out until until we're done man and and we'll, and we'll we'll talk you know and uh, and then he gets on stage and and we go out and start drinking with the folks and and I watched out for probably two and a half three hours I watched him play until four o'clock in the morning it seemed like. And, uh, and I watched him do a mix of his originals and all these old covers. And it was after like a Auburn, Georgia game or something. So everybody was just hopped up and, uh, and they, he was like a damn rock star, dude. I, I was like, I learned so much by watching that, that first show of how to, uh, to give the crowd, the audience exactly what they came to see, you know, and he was, he was doing it to it, but yeah, he was great, man. And, uh, and of course, we built a relationship, and and uh, I would open a bunch of shows for him, and they they could finally come up to Chattanooga, and I made good on that promise to let him open for us at Rhythm and Brews, and and then one, and then you know he would reach out over uh, all the time about uh, coming. You got to come to Nashville, man. You got to come to Nashville, you know. And uh, back then, you know, two thousand six, seven, I was just like, man, fuck Nashville. I ain't, <laughs> you know. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't about that, man. I, I want to go to Texas and listen to some Dale Watson or some. Terry Allen or something like that, man. I didn't want to go to Nashville. And uh, then I had a kid. I had my son, and then that all kind of changed. I was like, man, I, I got to start taking this shit serious. And so that's when I started going to Nashville. And, and right and there was Wayne waiting on me, you know, day one at the Blue Bar. And, uh, and you know, we can get into that deeper too, man. I, uh, but, yeah, he got, a, he, got, he got a dirty deal for sure, man. Oh, I – um. And I, I knew the son of a bitch that shot him too, man. And, and, and Wayne introduced me to him, you know? Well, let's, let's just start. Let's talk about it. I, I do, if, whether it's this podcast or not, 
I do. I, I'm very, I'm very interested in these kind of stories because now you're telling me that, you know, you're just, you're tearing down honky tonks in 2001, which is 19 years ago with Wayne Mills. And like, I don't know, I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face chanting about. Yeah. I don't ever talk about that either. I mean, it's just, that's a, like most people in Nashville don't even know that I had that band or they don't know what I was doing. Right. And that's, what's so you know, that crazy. History that, is there. Yeah. It, I just, I, I'm not one to just sit around, which is probably why I'm not uh, any bigger than I am. I'm not, I'm not, I'm really not good at like just going, Hey man, this is how good I am. Watch this. Or this is what I've done. Watch this. Yeah, I know. But you've already said that that's somebody else's responsibility because you're the one that has the talent. You've honed the skills. You can write a freaking unreal song. I, I, I don't know that when I just said, I can talk about it until I'm blue in the face. What I meant was, is that I guess I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep putting guys like you on all of our platforms because I feel I say it every time that I meet somebody like you is that the masses deserve to hear your music. And I say this before on, on a podcast of with Adam hood was if I have parties here, I have big Traeger events. I play music that I want to play at these events. It might be 80. It might be 125, 150 people. But if that's not enough consensus of every one of those people hearing a Channing Wilson song on your live record, that's really like the only thing that you can get, uh, you know, available, readily available a lot of the times. Um, if nobody says turn that shit off or keep playing that or who the hell is that? Where can I get that music? Or we play a song on the foul life like we've done for Leith and everybody's like, where can I get that wingman song? Where can I get that 50 years too late song? Then why isn't that good enough consensus right there for somebody that has the ability to take a risk? Is it me saying, all right, let's go, let's go get a bunch of money and invest in a Channing Wilson career. And, 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 and I, obviously this would be, you have a record deal now and you have a publishing deal and you make a living doing this. I'm just talking about breaking an artist and how do some artists break and some don't. It's just a weird deal to where like you can be that good and that prolific and have that much history and that much knowledge of the game and then be played to these consensuses that I'm around of everybody going, dude, that's badass music. It would be that way nationally if it was heard on a bigger oh, scale. Yeah. That's all I'm Absolutely. trying to say. And that's and, okay. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, no, I, no I'm going to, I'm going to take what you're saying here and, 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 and confirm it by saying, um, you know, Facebook, um, I'm, I'm, I never was really a fan publicly, but privately, I was always looking at that shit. You know, I'd wake up and I'm going through there and see what everybody's doing, just like everybody. But then, uh, but then, and then one day this Cody Jinks dude pops up on my, my Facebook and I'm like, oh, you know, and, and I just, you know, keep scrolling. I'm like, you know, another guy with a beard, whatever. And, uh, the next day, bam, there he is again. And then he's in my face every single day. Boom. Who is this dude? You know? And I and I open it up. And I listen to it, and it's it's some it's a song that he was playing. It's the the iconic video that that they put a bunch of money in right off the bat to blast it through the social back when Facebook um, advertising first started, and uh, they hadn't figured out the algorithms yet. And and a lot of people were really um, were were really getting their name out there through Facebook, and he was one of them. And so I use him as an example because. He was a dude that's been doing it for a while and, and I don't know him. I've met him a few times. He's a really nice guy, super nice guy. And I've seen him uh, play a show and it's great and his fans love him and it's just really cool. But I'll, I'll watch him and he, he's this underground, uh, sensation seems to be the word that's coming to my head, but it's more than it's just underground success story. 
is what it is, huh? more than sensation. And and it's and what that is is it shows to me how hungry that that people are for that kind of music, you know. That I mean, they're you know, I, I had a I got a friend, and this is just me talking you know, right out of my my mouth here. But I got this friend that's been watching me for 10 years. And and he was at the show that I went and seen uh Cody Jinx at. And I'm standing backstage and um and he ends up back there and he's like, Man, you think I can meet him? You think I can meet him? Think it, hey, can you get me to meet him? I was like, Well shit, man, I don't I don't know. And uh, he walked out and this is a 40 year old, I mean, 40 to 50 year old man who was in in the outlaw biker gang now. Okay. And he was so excited about meeting uh, Cody James, you know, and he just blown away because he's watched this guy on Facebook and he has become a fan of him. And, uh, and he, and he was fucking with me and he said, uh, he goes, man, you're good, but you ain't no Cody James, you know? And I, and, and, and he didn't mean that like how it sounds. He just, you know, he was messing with me, but in his mind, I think, he, you know, he, he was used to seeing me. He'd seen me play probably 50 times, you know, a uh, little bars around Chattanooga, but he had become so fixated on this character, this Cody Jinks character, you know, and, and it was because, uh, because ever they were so hungry for somebody to pop on the mainstream, to pop on their phone and their TV and for them to go, see, I wasn't crazy. There's real country music out there. You know, he was preaching my shit you know, 10 years ago and now, but now there's somebody on the mainstream that he can point at, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, he's, uh, there's some psychology there, man. And that, uh, that he's, um, that because it's, it's larger than life to him, he believes it's, you know, uh, you know, so big, but when really it's all around him all the time, he's in a city with Roger Allen Wade with me, with guys like, Brent and Drake coming through and now, and now with, with, uh, Brent's success too, man, it's just blowing up, blowing up. And so all these underground country artists are just, to me, I feel like they're all blowing up, man. What do you, you mean know? by Brent's success? Well, I mean, two tours with, uh, Chris Stapleton's pretty successful. Uh, Brent put out that first record of his man, uh, the first, uh, one, the first recent one, because, you know, he's put out records since I've known him, but the, uh, shine on rainy day, man. Like Ugh. me and him, Ugh. it was me and him and Ray Tier and uh, Ratliff and uh, somebody else. And Brent just got the mixes back, and we went up to uh, Carnival one night, and, and uh, we sat in there in Frank's office, and Brent played the whole damn record, and I was like, <laughs> you know, because it was just night and day from everything Brent had ever done in my eyes. You know, I knew that Brent was that good. But then when when Dave captured and that sound for him, it was just, you know, it was really just, uh, I knew right then that Brent was, was on something pretty special. And it changed his life for sure. And, that's, um, and hence that's where guys like you and Brent have a, you know, a place in my heart or my psyche, right? Because when I, when I heard that song, Shine On, Shine On Rainy Day, you could not listen to that song and not either cry or look at life in a completely different way. And that's what songwriting is supposed to do to you. And most of the songs that are on again, quote unquote country radio do not do that to you. And that is the, hence the problem of what I call in coin cubicle country 
of all these just robots pushing paper across, you know, with these lyrics on it that doesn't touch you. And the music that was being written back when I got into country music, whether it was Chestnut, Travis Tritt, who's a genius, um, and earlier than that, you know, the outlaw movement at the end of the 70s, because I'm, you know, I'm 45 years old. I wasn't there when it started, but I grew up on on Merle and and Willie and Jesse Coulter and Waylon and 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 all and David Allen Coe and um music doesn't touch me like that unless you go to something called prime country or something called outlaw country it's not like if it's on country radio it should do the same shit that those musicians or those artists did and i think that that's where you guys are if you put your songs up there and brent songs and the the musicians that we talk about i just don't see anybody not be in touch. And when you listen to that or Providence and you hear the wordsmithing, and um, if you listen to the song on, on Providence Canyon about, um, you know, there's a lot of jacked up trucks in the way. And, the, uh, you know, I don't know if you know the song I'm talking about, but if you listen to that song about, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it's going to be, it's about Nashville in my opinion. And it's like when the dust settles and it's called, that's the name of the song is when the dust settles, it's like, damn it, man, people need to open their eyes and understand that that is why Brent's going to be successful. That is why Channing's going to be successful. And thank God for somebody like Stapleton and Morgan or Jamie Absolutely. Johnson. Yeah. And Jamie Johnson almost did this thing in reverse to where he went and got the record deal and established a number one hit in songwriting and some fame. And then he said, you know what? I'm just going to go have my cult following and I'm going to have a Willie Nelson type stage set up and I'm going to burn the house and the crowd down every single time I go up here. And I'm going to wear loafers with blue jeans and a black t-shirt and i'm gonna make the world go holy shit there is good country music out there and thank god for that of jamie being able to take you out on the road or somebody and keep breaking these artists and, and getting it out there because when i hear you say that about that album i'm like holy shit i can't go to bed without listening to one of brent cobb's songs that's how good they are in my opinion and the whole world needs to hear them i don't know if that's preachy too much for you channing but that's no, where no, i'm no, at no. with it and you know um the the preachy the preachiness is just passion and uh like I said, man, I, I walked out of my job at Lowe's after I seen a Billy Joe Shaver concert, <laughs> you know, in, in, in 1999 or no, 2000. It was right after Y2K. I, I worked at Lowe's at y, uh, during Y2K, and, and which was crazy. And I went and uh, me and a friend of mine who turned me on to Steve Earl and all this stuff, man. Uh, his name's David Dowd, and he lives right here in Lafayette, Georgia, less than a half a mile from me. And uh, he's a big record collector now. And uh, but but back then, you know, I would sit at the Huddle House in my hometown and write songs all night, you know, and just um, and just trying to figure out my life at, at 23, 24 years old. And and um, and Dave, he started making me mix tapes, man. And like one, the first one I ever had was like Guy Clark and Billy Joe Shaver and Steve Earle and Terry Allen and Joe Ely and all these great Texas artists, you know, and. And uh, so Billy Joe Shaver come to town and Eddie Shaver was playing with him. And I, and there was a, it was a four piece band, including Billy Joe. And I watched him at the Bud Pie in Chattanooga and it changed my life. And I quit my job at Lowe's. And uh, you talking about the uh, take this job and shove it. My boss, uh, he, he got, he had got on to me for something and uh, uh, fraternizing after work with an employee or something. I can't remember what it was, but it was just, I went and had a beer with a guy working. And I said, man, what I do on my my off time ain't none of your concern. You know, when I when I clock in, that's when you got me. But when I clock out, you can't, you know, you ain't got me. And he goes, well, that ain't the way it works in, in the corporate 
in the corporate world, you're going to have to learn, you got to get to learn that. And I said, no, I ain't got to do shit. I quit. You know? And I was like, I'm going to start a band. He's like, you're going to start a band. I was like, I'm going to start a damn band. And that's what I did. Right. And uh, it was crazy at the time. And, um, but anyway, you fast forward, uh, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about, um, uh, uh, lost my train of thought there thinking about that Billy Joe Shaver concert. Um, but, uh, you're talking about, uh, radio country music radio. Uh, the one I'm going to save you a lot of headache, man. I, like I said, I've been doing this since 2000 and, and the first thing to realize is the radio is not in the music business. The radio is in the advertising business. And they don't give a shit. They just don't. I promise you. They're, I mean, your local DJs and stuff like that, they do. But the the, the program directors, the main, uh, you know, uh, long table meeting radio people, they really don't care. They want consistency because any business you run, you want it to be consistent right down to a sports bar. You want them chicken wings that taste like chicken wings. The same flavor every time that keeps people coming back. And they take that same mentality to the radio. They never change it. And you can, uh, you know, um, you can, uh, I get the uh, country air check emails because uh, of the Luke Combs song that I had uh, last year. And they come through and, and they're, and they're all talking about the same 30 to 40 artists. And that's it. There is no, you know, they're not talking about, you know, they're on there telling who's going live stream this week. And it's all the top 40 country artists. It's never like Sturgill Simpson's going live or, or Brent Cobb's going live or Channing Wilson and Adam Hood are going live. It's those same people because they they have a, uh, they have a box that they keep everything in. And, and I hate to sound like conspiracy because it's not, it's just business. That's all they're doing. And so the labels in Nashville, well, the first thing that I really learned was that Nashville itself is not the enemy. The, the, the people, the, the publishers, they love songs, man. And they're all songs people. There's a reason why Brent Cobb has a publishing deal. And he's had one for 10 or 12 years is because his boss, Frank Liddell, is a song guy. And he loves songs. And those people that work there, they love songs. And they push Brent to write the best songs that, uh, that he can. And, and I've, had, uh, I've been through two publishing deals. Uh, and I've had the same publisher. And it's Ben Vaughn. He's the publisher at Warner Chapel now. And this, and he is a song guy and, and, and that, and you're talking about the cubicle country. Now this is the place for cubicle country. Now these people get into rooms every single day and, and they're writing and it's, it's, I call it mad libs. You know, it's like, uh, they're just changing the words here and there, but it's the same damn song. It's the same chord progression. But then those same, uh, people that sign, um, and push for radio hits. They're also signing guys like me and they're signing guys like, uh, Adam hood and Brent and, and, and they're signing stuff like that because they also know that there's value in, um, in that stuff, because you're not going to get a song like, uh, you know, shine on rainy day out of Ashley Gordley. Who's, who's the big songwriter in Nashville now. He's the big hit songwriter. And actually, I don't know him, but I, I can I can probably say without uh, without being a liar that he's not going in the in the room every day trying to write that kind of song. 
he's going in there to write a radio hit song, and that's pretty much what they're going for every single day. But so it's not the necessarily the uh, the publishers and and the the music business people in Nashville that's the reason why mainstream country doesn't have a lot of the uh, uh, outlaw ish kind of artists you're talking about. It's really basically radio people. They're not going to let. Uh, I mean, Jamie Johnson can't even get on the radio now. Trace Atkins, uh, you know, I wrote with Travis Tritt for this project he's doing with Dave, and and uh, you got two songs with him, and you know, man, I hope they they play his stuff on the radio, you know, but I doubt they will because the radio is just not they're they're not wanting it. They're they're keeping it very the same. What's working because they're hanging on by a thread, man. You know, advertising yeah, I mean, business, Chad. They're not in the music business. Yeah, you saw they're that. Selling, they're selling that, you know. You would think that they'd still play George Strait, which they don't. And they even no. wrote a, he even wrote a song with Jamie called Kicked Out of Country, which is like a slap in the face to a guy that made country radio so much money oh, and, yeah. made, and made country music more famous than it ever was, you know, and he started coming up in the 80s and the... I don't know. I, I, I just I just look like, yes, I, I just had Cody Cannon on the show. Um, yeah. And... I think Whiskey Myers is genius. I think their songs yeah. are so badass, right? And and they're they're independent, and they got you know sellout after sellout after sellout. So it can be done, and you can establish that audience. It's I guess it's just a matter of timing, and it might not be too late. It might be it might be in the next two years that we, that there is a little bit of a change to where you start to see a little a little bit more of the Adam Hoods and the Channing Wilsons and the Brents. Man, I think there. I think the, I think the change is here now, man. I just think radio. I think it's a dying format, and I don't I don't you know I don't think that any of these guys that are that 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 are hitting it right now are even thinking about it. You know, it's like one of those. You know, I'm not saying it's a sinking ship, but it's the ship that that's old. You know, it's not the hip ship. You know, uh, Stur uh, Sturgill and and Tyler Childers, and those are the two big names right now uh, in, in this world. And they're not man; they could give a shit about country radio. They're never going to get played on it. They know that they don't even want it, you know, because it, it almost would make them uncool if that's, if that, you know, if that's the case, but uh, why would they, you know, it's, I mean, I, me personally, I've been, I moved to Nashville to, to fight this damn fight. You know, I knew that, that uh, I went to town to stink it up and I'm like, you know, this is where I'm going to go. I can't, I'm going to play country music. I better be in the place where, where it matters, you know, and, and, make, and try to make it count. And, um, and the one thing I've learned is you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to get, uh, radio is just not going to get on board with it. And I, I'll say this, and then we, we can move on to something else. But uh, uh, my buddy Luke uh, Combs got inducted in the Grand Old Opry, and I was there that night. He invited me, and and, uh, and we invited a lot of people, and we were all kind of, it was a big party. And uh, and this this one big uh, radio uh, head for uh I guess it's for iHeart, and I'm not going to tell his name, but uh, he's a really good dude, and I've known him uh, for for years. And uh, we were talking, and I said, "Man, I was like, I said, answer me a question honestly." And I said, "Because uh, I, I just had to know." I said, "When you know," and I was like, "Forgive me for for stereotyping you here." I was like, "But when you guys are getting together at your big table, and you're you're deciding, you know, the top forty playlist for the next six weeks or something, 
you know, I was like, and you're, and I know you do, you know? And so like when you guys are like coming together and go, who's, who's the new artist we're going to push to, to try to break them, you know, is, you know, I was like, are y'all, do you ever look across the aisle and see a guy like Sturgill Simpson or Tyler Childers who's killing it in the real world? I mean, they're selling out arenas now. And um, I'm like, do y'all ever even consider putting them on country radio or a Cody Jinx or these people like that? And he goes, no, man, it, that never gets brought up. He goes, never will. And I was like, I was like, how come? He goes, man, it just, you know, it's just not what they, what, what they want to play on country radio. Them, and, and his words were them, the thirties and 40 year old women that listen to country radio don't want to hear uh, Appalachian songs and stuff like that. They want to hear uh, the pop oriented stuff and the, and the pretty boys and all that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and I said, uh, you know, I was like, well, they're selling tickets. So somebody wants to hear it, you know? And, uh, but yeah, he just told me, he goes, man, it never gets brought up. You know, but you're, but but you're sitting there talking to this man. Why a guy that's not a pretty boy, and a guy that writes songs like you do, and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe Luke Combs is what country music wants right now because he's not a pretty boy. Right. He's not the guy that's going to go up there and shake his ass. He walks around with a red solo cup and his beard's all jacked up, and he sings great, and he he picks, and he's country is a biscuit so yeah you're sitting there in a in a hall of fame or a, or a grand old opry induction of luke combs and you're talking about artists that luke is that's who luke yeah. is he's country and and we and that's how it got on the subject you know was he was asking me about what i was doing and i told him i was uh, in the middle of making a record and different things and and uh you know and i was joking with him but but seriously joking you know business joking and i was like you know i was like i'll send you the single when we get it ready and get that shit in the you know on the radio and, and uh then we got to the kind of just talking about the other stuff but yeah so well luke is an exception for this reason right here you know when he got to town i was there for, for the beginning of that and he um he met the same challenges right off the bat soon as soon as he got to nashville it was like you know, big guy with a beard wearing flip flops, you know, with this, with this, you know, unmatchable voice, man. I mean, his voice just cuts through like nobody is like, no, and it's coming from a guy who sings, you know, when people tell me that my voice cuts through, but when I heard Luke Combs, it was just like, wow, dude, you're, you're an animal. And, um, and here's the thing. And here's what made it different. Luke hit about the same time that Cody Jinx and all that stuff was hitting too, you know, and and there was this big like underground online thing that was happening through Facebook and Instagram and all that was changing around that time. And and there's a lot of people who got boosted by that. And then there was the people like Luke, who once that went away, the talent was there, you know. And, and so and then he had made himself such a almost a household name in in America on Facebook, Vine, Instagram that when that stuff kind of started, the dust started settling on that, that he was really the only one left out of that who was just destined for, for greatness, you know, and he was smart enough to, to know the power of that. And um, I remember um, he was virtually unknown in the music business and, and, uh, but he had this huge online presence. He put me on his like vine one time, and I got like 1,500 followers in 30 seconds. It was like that. And I'd never seen 
I've been busting my butt social media and looking like a fool trying to figure it out. And here's this, you know, 25 year old kid that just knew how to do it. And, um, and so he gets on, you know, he gets on there and he does, he does this stuff. And then, so, uh, he calls me and goes, Hey man, I'm playing a show. I'm doing my first rounds of shows. I put a band together and stuff. And I'm, you know, and so I was like, cool. And I was like, I, I said, well, I see where you're playing in Rome, Georgia. That's like 30 minutes from my house. It's like, I'll come out. And so I get, I get there. And now this is a, a, a venue that I've played that me and Brent's actually played together full band there. And the best we ever done was maybe a hundred people, you know, and then Luke Combs first time ever playing shows ever with a band, his first run of shows. He's got 350 people in this venue and they're all singing the words to that song I wrote with him because they were listening online and on YouTube and all that stuff. And, and that's when I first noticed, I thought, man, I've been doing this shit all wrong, you know, <laughs> because I, I've been out here like in the bars, pushing my stuff to drunk people for 15 years. And this dude's just been six seconds at a time, man, playing songs and then building that fan base. And they came from all over to watch him. And it, it blew me away. It changed the way I thought about uh, promoting myself. You know, it, I'm still not good at social media because it just seems weird to me, but I'm working on it. And uh, but 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 what I'm saying there is that he built that fan base so big that within six months I had, uh, you know, most of the people in town knew that I was friends with him and had been writing with him. So I was the little connection through him. So I had people from booking agencies, record labels texting me going, hey, man, what's this Luke Combs kid about? You know, what, 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 what's this guy about? You know, and and I was just like, you know, get on board, get on board, get on board because he's you know, real deal, real deal. And so he went from nobody taking him serious at all to blowing the hell up because of that fan base he had. It was undeniable. And then once the Nashville people heard him sing and they. And I'm telling you, man, like at the beginning, and he'll be the first to tell you this too. There were so many of them. It's like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Cause they're in the middle of bro country. Sam Hunt was real big. Uh, you know, uh, I can't even, I'm not going to go through names. Cause I know half of them, but you know, that's what was popular. And here's this guy who's just looks like, you know, he looks like the guy working for the power company at the city, you know, and, and he's just killing it. And, and next thing he changed. He changed everything, really, as far as Nashville mainstream goes. Um, it really showed Chris Stapleton didn't, didn't do that on the mainstream level really too much, you know. Um, and but I think mainly because everybody in Nashville already knew how talented he was, you know. When I got to town, everybody, you know, I got to town in 2010 or whenever, and and people would tell me that Chris Stapleton is the best singer in town. And, uh, and I'm like, how in the hell is he not famous then, you know. It used to be the big argument. And now with the right platform launch, there he goes, you know, and that's, and there you go. And that was even kind of a slow go too with the first single he released back in the day that, what are you listening to it? Like, yeah, it really didn't hit. Well, that's radio, travel. radio, radio is just, you know, they're not interested, man. They don't, um, they, they don't, I mean, he still hasn't I, had a lot of, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Channing, but he no, still hasn't fine. had a lot of radio success. Has he? As far as like number no, ones, no, no, not at all. He's had, uh, I mean, one I number one, maybe. It, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't consider it radio success at all. You know, uh, the, the 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 one number one or something. Uh, 
and and they do play him, but like not the way they should. I mean, dude, he's such a talent, and like he's selling out arenas. He went from playing the same bars I do to selling out arenas in a matter of eighteen months. He's, I mean, he's on the same spectrum as Luke Combs is, as far as blowed up and the power of his name and the brand and everything. But radios, to me, still not on board with him. You know, I mean, holy and shit, it, he's he's doing stuff with. With with Ed and, and Bruno Mars no, and Timberlake and just it's unreal, man. And I just feel like it's it's really uh it's sad. I, we, man, we could go on this forever, but it's really just um it's almost sad that that the country music fans out there aren't getting the whole story, you know, because they would love it. They would love to have the diversity to 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 hear Sam Hunt and then hear you know Stapleton or Brent Collins or me even. On the same channel because they love oh, would, that's what that's all i'm trying to say is that yeah, i, under, I understand your i understand your comment and i respect your opinion on the sturgills and and the children because those guys are insane right i i will say this like i like i like sturgill's earlier stuff a lot more than you know he's kind of well, got the, he, it's more country for sure but yeah. it's just he's you know and he's an artist man and, and oh, an yeah. artist uh is you know my stuff changed i i sent ben a couple of new uh tracks uh you can check them out but uh no, I want to hear one today. I, I have, think I, yeah, you have to change, man, and not not change your whole style, but you have to, uh, you know, you grow as a as a man, as a as a human being, and if you're not, if you're doing the same thing you were doing ten years ago, you ain't doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're yeah, not telling I, the truth. You're not yeah, telling the and, truth. And I do see that with some artists that are fine with that, to where they're not going to compromise. And if like a Chris Knight, like when I listen to his music, like it blows me away, like always has from frame to it ain't easy being me. The the ones that, you know, you really know. And then you listen to his entire, the, the trailer tapes and everything of the river songs and stuff. And you're just like, man, this guy just gets it, but he's never going to be mainstream. And I think he's okay with that. I think Chris is fine yeah, with a, sure, a piece of straw in his mouth, walking down a dirt road, probably, even yeah, though his probably, music's genius, right? I always say this. I'm like, look at us, man. We're down here at a bar getting drunk and Chris not somewhere chopping wood. Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, true. Because, and and uh and I love that about him too, man. And uh, I think as a fan, you don't you almost you don't want to see him change because you're a fan of him. But you know, I mean, would I like to see Chris not have more mainstream success? Sure. I'm just saying if but there was that diversity. Gonna, yeah. I'm just saying if you were the programmer and you had the Channing Wilson diversified, that's what we would call your your country radio station. Like that's what I'm. That's all I'm trying to say is that if you're going to play Sam Hunt and and talk you through body as a one uh, uh, body back road or whatever, which is a, a, a catchy song and he made a a huge impress, you know, a huge run at number one with that. But then you cannot deny a Stapleton or a Chris Knight or a Channing Wilson that they're right there on the same if not more talent, I'm not going to take anything yeah. away from a Luke Bryan because I know no. Luke can sing a country song, but I think that Luke got caught up in a bunch of songs to where I was like, I wouldn't be singing those. I would go back to, you know, when you walked in, you know, Oh my friend, that song. And then like tailgate blues that Luke, that Brent wrote. And I always talk about those two Luke Bryan songs. Like, play those like have that on the instead of all of the catchy dancing on a tailgate and and, and cut off gene daisy dukes yeah. all of that stuff. I, anyway it's just but if you're going to play that i'm not going to take that away from them just play play a diversity of really good country music to where you don't have to go and search it out all the time yeah i mean i, th I think you're just i think when you get to that point with it man you're you're kind of asking 
you know, you're asking a Kansas City barbecue guy to cook Memphis barbecue. You know what I mean? At that point, it's just like you're, you know, this, he's not the guy that's going to stand up there and blow you away. He's not going to be able to do like where we were talking about Luke Brown, I guess. He's not going to be able to pull off like a Merle Haggard country kind of song. He has a style and that's what he does. And he's made himself a star doing it. And, and, and in my mind, it's like, man, go for it. That's, I, I, you know, I believe that they're doing what they believe in. You know, they're doing what they love to do, what they believe in. And I see. I just, I would, I would have, I would probably be the guy that would look at you chatting in a bar across the table and say, I, I, I sternly disagree. I yeah. stir, I just don't think that Luke Bryan, that would be a spokesperson for the Grand Old Opry or the city of Nashville or an ambassador of country music, that it can sing a country song and he's proven it. He just wrote one with Brent that's amazing. I don't think that he wants to sing a song called Knocking Boots. I just don't no, see. I, I'm not I don't saying think, he wants to. I'm just saying he believes in that. I mean, he wouldn't put, you know, let me ask you this. If he puts out music that he doesn't believe in, then he loses all credibility. With me but don't anyway. you think he has? Don't you think that when he gets on an award show and gets up there and sings a song called Knockin' Boots when George Strait is in the audience and he's getting ready to sing a song called about God, you know, the song about God that he, God and country music and Miranda got up and did her little library that night that was as country as hell. You're telling me that Luke Bryan believes in a song called knocking boots and getting up there. Oh, and- no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not. Here's what I'm trying to say is that he believes he's doing what he's like. He believes he believes in what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I, I just, I maybe Luke Bryan's not the best example because I don't know him on the, he can sing a country song level because I personally don't think he can sing a country song. I've never heard him sing a song uh, that blew me away country. Now I know that he did tailgate blues for Brent, but once again, that's just a damn good song. Oh, you know? God, is it like, it's just, it's Brent. That's Brent Cobb song. You know, I, in, until, you know, but here's the thing, dude, is I don't listen to Luke Bryan. So I really, I'm kind of talking out of my ass here. I'm just saying that I'm just saying that like they believe that what they're doing is country, is country music. You know, I don't, I don't think that they're going, Hey man, we can't let Brent Cobb make it. Cause that's going to make me look bad. Or maybe they are. Should I? I, I, I don't know if they are or not. And I don't know Luke. I've met him. He's a nice guy. He's a hunter. He, he, he is on a hunting show called buck commander, which has got everybody on that show has got a beard like you do. Yeah. Um, well, I've had mine for a while, you know? Oh, I know. And I know, I, was, I know, I, and was, I know I was, I did that to cover up the double chin, man. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, all I'm saying is that I don't think that Luke Bryan can go to deer camp with a Jason Aldean or a Willie Robertson or a Tyler Farr and have them look at him and go, yeah, man, knocking boots. That's a, that's a great country. Song. Well, I just don't well, see it. I just don't thing. see it. I get it. I get it. And here's the thing is they don't. It, I, I promise you, I bet you all the beer I got in my house right now, and that's a lot, and I don't even drink beer. But, uh, well, I do drink beer, but uh, I'm mainly a, a whiskey guy. But anyway, uh, they're not, man. If they're picking around the campfire – Honestly, what you know, take that back a step. Uh, anybody picking around a campfire is not playing knocking boots, even the fans of country music. They're not, you know, what they're playing, they're playing Folsom fucking prison blues. That's what they're playing because that's what's fun to sing around a damn campfire. And it's a me good country Le- song. Me and Leith, uh, actually were writing, uh, me and him and Dave Kennedy, I think, were writing a song one time called Around the Fire, and it was about that. 
you know, and it was, uh, I don't think we ever finished it, but, you know, play it down. You know, if you're, if you're not writing a song that would sound good around a fire, you ain't writing a good song, you know? I agree. And, uh, yeah. I'm not, I, so, I, I'm not, I, again, I don't want to be the guy that goes, I know everything about country music because I don't know anything about it. I just know what sounds right. And that, and I was brought up on good country music and I think it's still out there. And I do think, oh, Jinx, well, I it, do think Jinx is great. And I do think Sturgill's great. And if those guys can hit and Luke Combs can hit, then I think that the radio station needs to be effing. I'll, I, I say the F word once in a while. I think it needs to be fucking stuffed with you guys. Like that's all there is to it. Now yeah. look, if radio's a dying deal and you can go get your content everywhere, I would argue the fact though that radio is what drives a lot a lot more ticket sales and I know that Sturgill's done it and I know that Children's do it. I disagree, man. And here's where really? I sit across the bar and disagree because I, I was playing a little bar up in Indiana one time and this was about 4 years ago and it was right when when Sturgill put out his second record. And it was blowing up and his, his, he was blowing up and, and the bar owner and uh, he goes, man, you write songs down there in Nashville, don't you? And I was opening up for somebody. I can't remember. And I'm all, I'm the opener, man. That's what I've always done. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, I've had some good opening gigs, though. but, uh, and he goes, man, ri riddle me this. And he goes, I've, uh, and I'm not going to name the country artist because I'm friends with him. He's a, he's a fucking super nice guy, but he goes, and uh, he goes, but but I'll, I'll tell you, he's had between five and, and 10 number one hits. And he goes, I can't sell 40 tickets on this guy. He's had, you know, at this time, he'd had five, four or five number one hits. He goes, he's had four or five number one hits. I got William Morris pushing them down my throat, uh, trying to, you know, I, I put a big guarantee out there and I can't sell. I sell less than 100 tickets. He goes but I can put Sergio Simpson in here and I have to do two fucking shows because I, because I'm, you know, I'm losing money if I don't. And uh, he goes, why is that? You know? So, I mean, the thing is, is country. I guess you're right. I get country, you country radio. Right here's, here's something. Country radio is the, uh, is the commercial for the big country concerts. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm just telling you, man, like, um, you know, it's like, hey, you know, come on out here with the tailgates and the and the and the girl with her feet on the dash and all that kind of stuff, man. And they paint this picture like everything is this great, great thing, and and people buy into it, and then they go to the big uh, outdoor concerts and stuff, and then and all they know is that, you know, and and it takes. Uh, but but the thing is, is why why I think the radio is dying is because because they're not including what's happening on on the uh on the other formats like spotify for instance some spotify don't pay shit to songwriters uh, i can promise you this and um but what what does happen on there is people listen to music and mainly because it's free essentially but the the playlist and all that and their people are finding out um more and more about different artists and, and through spotify and youtube and things like that and and the radio is just um like I said earlier, they're just pumping the same shit down people's throats, you know, and they're not. The that is a good point because I've always wondered why a guy like Chris Young or somebody like that, or I, I, I have several other musicians that, that hit, hit, hit. They just kept having hits. And then you would go and you would be like at a, a Brad Paisley concert when Chris was opening and nobody was like in there even paying attention to him. And I'm like, 
does not anybody has anybody understand how first of all the dude sings like an angel and but he's like like i've always wondered that about musicians like him like and may like and then you take a gary allen who has had some radio success right but then was like i don't know what happened like he just disappeared he like ghosted everything to where he i still see him pop up and he plays his show here and there but i was like damn gary seemed like he had like a huge following and and i would think that like a guy like chris yeah the format changed man the radio changed and 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 you know you know you're right for the fact that the radio gets country music what they call country music out to the mass the masses that listen to country radio you know and that's a you know it's like uh, the country radio fans are the town and the country radio is the general store of that town but over in the next town you got spotify and there's people there that are that's where they're shopping and then, you know, and I'm just telling you, there's two different uh, places that people are going to get their music. And one of them's thriving and one of them is surviving, you know, and, and that's well, the I, radio. I, I want I, I to have part two of this because I want to keep going down the country music. I think you're very knowledgeable on it. I like to learn. I like to be a sponge on this type of stuff. But I also today, before we end this, is I want to get to some of your music just so I, ha- I can have a good day. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I have, I have, <laughs> I have lots of songs that I want to hear. I, I think that I've got a little sneak peek into a couple of the new ones um, through the network that that you run with. Um, I don't want to say any names because I don't know if it's if, if they're supposed to give me little sneak peeks and stuff. <laughs> it's but all right, it's all do good. you have one that you feel like picking or singing that you've written lately that has hit you hard? I, uh, I, I, I love the two that I that I've been listening to lately. Um, can I say the names of them? Sure, I don't care. Can uh, I like is chasing down a song? Is that one of the new ones that you've written lately? Yeah, or it's called uh, running down a song. Run, running yeah. down a song. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, no, like yeah. that song is bad to the bone. But I don't know. Nice, I bro. want. I wanted you to pick and sing like and put the lyric out front. So. And I love hearing people say that the lyric out front, because I, I know that you're a badass musician. But when it's raw like this, I really love the lyric part of what you do. Um, you pick. I mean, everything. You, I mean, beer, beer for breakfast and Black Jesus. I mean, I can name a lot of songs that I could listen to all day. But I want you to play of like, what would you be if I was a if I was a, a programmer of my own radio station that I play the real the right country music? Like, what would you sit across the table and say, Hey, I got this one. Put this yeah, one out man. there. That's you know, if I if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably be more successful. But what I do know is what I'm feeling at the moment, and. Um, and so I, uh, over the last year, I've been uh, recording a record. I've self-produced it. Uh, I got uh, Dave Cobb's band to play on it, man. And they're, they're just smoking players. And, uh, and um, the, the title track to the record is, uh, I mean, obviously it don't matter <laughs> to me. I mean, because I don't care. Uh, it's called Running Down a Song. And it says, it's a song that I wrote in this transitional period to where I kind of quit coming to Nashville for a second because I had to really get, um, I had to really get to figure out why the hell I was even going to begin with because I was doing, you're wearing a revival hat there. I was running, uh, helping Rob run that revival show and I wasn't even, like all my songwriting buddies were calling me up to, uh, to get a spot on revival. They weren't calling me to, uh, to hear new songs or to ask me to write anymore, you know? And, uh, and, uh, so I was just like, man, I gotta, I gotta quit. I got to quit Nashville for a minute, man, and find, find my new, my new thing, find out who I'm, who I am now, you know? 
And uh, so I, I stayed at home for about three or four months, man, really. And uh, and this was and this was a song that come out of it, you know, was was this rhyming down a song. Hey, when you look up, when you look up at the screen, don't get don't get weirded out if you look up because I might be holding my phone up because I want to I want to record a little bit of this. I love this freaking song, man. Oh, yeah, man. That's cool. Right, this is running down a song by Channing Wilson. You can waste it, chase it, build it, and pride, or you can play. 
What's in the what's in the tumbler? Oh, it's coffee, man. It's not a it's not a duck hunter's coffee. <laughs> but Dude, a, that song is freaking incredible. When's the album out? Man, I'm I'm trying to finish it right now during this uh quarantine shit. It's pretty tough to try to I got friends that I'm gonna get to sing on it and different things and uh so I'm I'm trying to trying to get them in the studio. But like it's it's tough right now, man, trying to get Trying to do the business that 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 we're uh, used to doing. Number one, there's no money coming in on the uh, on the shows, and then uh, so you know, and I'm self financing this. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's I'm working on it. You know, do you have any merch for sale? Do you have any merch for sale at all? I got a little bit, man, but I'm about to step that up to uh, uh, just because people are are supporting uh, musicians that way by buying merch. Yeah, but I mean, I yeah. got some CDs and T-shirts and stuff like that. Uh, available right now mm-hmm. channingwilson.com yep that's it i'll put an order in today sweet <clears throat> i need to be wearing a channing wilson shirt like uh hey. like uh adam hood was on did you watch his podcast he's wearing a channing wilson shirt the entire episode of uh, the one y'all did yeah he's, oh sweet I, <laughs> yeah, I, he's, I, 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 I wrote a song with him yesterday uh and uh and uh and we i told him i was doing this with you and he had to, he said he had a good time that dude is he's good man he's oh man he's as, he's as good as it gets man for sure all right y'all check out channingwilson.com his new record's coming soon running down a song i can't wait the last verse of that song dude is this it's it, tremendous like i love the whole deal but that last the last verse just does it for me man keep man, that shit I, up dude keep it up i can't wait to i can't wait to hear the whole album i appreciate it chad man i appreciate you having me on here too and, and we'll uh yeah, we'll continue this conversation later. We ain't even got into the cooking shit yet, man. I no, got, I no, I, I I'm got gonna, a, I got a, I got a Traeger too, buddy, and that's all I do, man. Oh, <laughs> buddy, we're gonna have a fun time next time we come to Nashville. We're gonna do a big bonfire over at Lee's property or somewhere. Oh, and, yeah. uh, um, I'll hit you up on a text with some different times to get uh, part two scheduled, man. I truly appreciate yeah. it. I'm a big fan, and um, I'm just thankful that I get that I uh, the the day that I went to Hopkinsville, Kentucky on a on a turkey hunt and I heard a man singing when I got in the kitchen I was the last one there I got there real late traveling across the country and I heard Leith Lofton singing 50 years too late and I walked out yeah, the man. deck and I said who in the hell is this guy and <laughs> I walked up to him I said man I got I got these production stuff going on and some duck hunting shows I, I'd really I'd really oh, I remember you. I I remember him telling me about you man well, back back then man he was yeah, uh, you know, that's Leaf, man. He's he's as good as it gets, man. Oh sure. yeah, and that, and that, but that right. I miss there, him. I ain't seen him in a while, man. Yeah, I miss, I miss him too. I, I, he's been on the show several times, but he uh, that right there introduced me to. That's why I got to meet you. You know that whole yeah. Nashville deal is uh is it's really special to me. This network, and I'm so glad that I get that that I have a platform that I can at least do my part, you know, and getting it out there and, and, and trying to keep pushing the good word, you know, that there is awesome country music. Yeah, man. Well, you keep that up for sure. Cause it, it does matter. 
For sure. I appreciate Every, it, man. Yeah, man. I will, and I'm Every gonna I'm gonna hit you back with part two. I really want to do. I want to continue this. I want to get more into Wayne's story. I want to get more into yeah. your songs. I want to get. I want to even talk a little bit more about. Uh, I want to talk about Guy Clark because I'm just yeah, now. Man. I'm just now getting into a lot of Guy right Clark there. stuff. Yeah. yeah freaking yeah, a guy sure. guy is amazing so um yeah. channingwilson.com and on instagram it's at channing wilson that's it and twitter and twitter and everything. <laughs> yeah y'all start oh. following channing and listen to these badass songs he's got hits with a lot of guys he's been on stage with a lot of people you've heard of and just just do some uh, due diligence do a little digging and figure out the good music out there. That's what I'm doing. And every day, every day is so awesome that, that I get to listen to this, these guys' music because it truly is the best out there. Part two will be coming soon. This has been another episode. Can we go out with one of your songs? Uh, uh, one of the recordings that I have of a, a song, or do you want to sing us out? Because usually the song that goes out on the podcast Channing is what's she going to do when the money's all gone. We're going to go out with a, a Channing Wilson original today. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Please support the partners and sponsors that support us. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Lynchburg, Tennessee. Thank you all so much for listening. Here's Channing Wilson. Another badass tune coming your way. I could hop a train, head out west where nobody knows your name. Walk through these swinging doors, trying even to score. Play the fool again and let the heartache take flame. When it comes to you and me, there's only one guarantee. You ain't coming back and that ain't ever gonna change I could drink this whiskey till I'm up against the wall Eat these pills and never feel like a heartache at all I'd be just a long song as that old sad country song Cause the weed just gets me high And cocaine don't last long They don't make a drink that strong I found the only hundred proof Send a cold hard truth That you girl I've been living with If I'm gonna hurt either way, I'd rather spend my days down on a creek bank, hooked on the blue gill, trading neon for shade. I could drink this whiskey till I'm up against the wall. Eat these pills, hope I never feel enough heartache at all. I need to. As an old sad country song Cause the weed just gets me high and Cocaine don't last long They don't make a drink that strong I said the weed just gets me high You know the cocaine don't last long
They don't make a drink at strong. 